0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Block Talk Radio. All right, you're listening to RSG One Mike. And tonight we go deep into the life of a baller. The baller life tonight on One Mike. Lot, 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 lot,
1: lot, lot, talk radio. This thing right here is my people's
0: in Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. be we have... There is a pause... Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung, they're looking around, the jumbo rod shows and pants the cheerleaders, and as it glows down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened that this guy needs. Uh, CPR or something, and at that particular time, I lost it the <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Today, lock, you know, I'm going to this one might Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into shack. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about <laughs> their training staff. Lock, lock, lock. Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right. Welcome to RSG's version of One Mic. This is the show where we take a topic deep, some of the hottest topics in sports, and we go deep throughout our entire podcast. This is the topic we talk about. It's different than our big show. Our big show is like the intersection between what I would call a uh, uh, faculty seminar in the barbershop, but you never know what's going to happen. And uh, also, if you have a chance to to listen to hustle and flow, that's like that intersection between hip hop and sports. And so, but tonight, you know, we're going to go deep, deep, deep into what we're talking about is the baller life. Um, and um, Levar Ball, Levar Ball, has he created quite a quite a ripple effect um, in sports. A lot of topics, a lot of things to be unpacked. Um, but we hope to dig deeper in ways that you probably haven't heard on. Uh, other sports uh, platforms regarding this topic. And for me to do that, um, it was important for me to bring one of my good partners, uh, and I would say he's a sports enthusiast, uh, but you know his, his, his training isn't even an, an economist um, who brings that perspective. He's a longtime educator um, and has uh, helped uh, an incredibly number of uh, uh, folks navigate through the educational system. Um, but he also has his own non for profit, started his own business uh, to impact uh, the leadership development of, of, of college students, uh, particularly in the uh, Black Student Union, um, and, and impacting those students. And so he's done a lot of different work, and we hope that that expertise can help us dig a little bit deeper on what, what is really happening with LeVar Ball and the Ball family. And it's, uh, it's my guy, uh, Dr. Richard McGregory, Jr. How are you doing, sir?
1: Doing fine. Um, thanks for having me on. Great to be um, in the conversation.
0: Now, you know, it's important for folks before we get in, because you're going to hit us with, you know, some, some deep stuff, and you and I talk about this stuff all the time, and I'm just excited for folks to get, you know, to hear you speak about this, because I think you bring a, a really important perspective uh, to this issue. Uh, but, you know, you know you're know you a Cowboys fan, and uh, yes. I know you've been living and, living and dying with your boys, and they broke your heart, and, uh, but they made a run last year, and uh, and then they you know they try to make some solid picks. I see they got my my guy from uh, from Michigan, uh, you know uh, uh, Taco Carlton, uh, uh, and so I, they got some things going on down there. So how do you feel about your Cowboys right now?
1: Um, I feel better about them than I have in a long time. Not only because of how the season went last year, but because they they're breaking out of old mentality. Um, for a long time, they wouldn't give a quarterback like a Dak Prescott an opportunity. Um, for a long time, they were they were locked into uh, to a, to a model really that that looked at how do you replicate the triplets of the um, 1990s versus coming with with, with 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 a new paradigm in terms of how you're going to um, operate. For for a long time, they um, seemed like they just didn't want to adapt to the the modern times, even some of the um more well what i would call uh risky personnel decisions at least now they're they're willing to um take a chance on 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 some players now some of it has not worked out, but at least they they're trying to lead with talent where where before seemed like they were they were more concerned about marketing the stadium than Really trying to um, lead with talent.
0: did you think that's more with the kind of the emergence of, you know, Stephen Jones and you know his ability? I always said that you know um, you, you got to find somebody that um, Jerry Jones is gonna can can get him to slow down. And it seemed like that that draft when they picked Fredericks, who when they did the top one hundred was the only interior lineman. I think the only center. That was ranked in the top 100 players for the NFL this this year, this past, when they surveyed all the players. You know, this is the person when they picked them in the first round out of Wisconsin, uh, who was, I think, the first lineman to start as a freshman at Wisconsin, a place that produces a lot of linemen. You know, that pick, you know, that pick was, you know, Jerry was trying to go get Johnny Manziel, and it was almost like they had to tie him down, hog time, you know, while they got that pick in. So, do you think the emergence of Steven in that role has helped to kind of stabilize and bring a different? kind of focus to, you know, an approach to to the way the Cowboys have worked?
1: Oh, definitely, because I think Jerry is more of a marketing uh, genius and guru, so he knows how to put the sizzle. Um, cowboy fans were frustrated because there was no stake under the sizzle, and you <laughs> only build a, a football team by having solid lines. Then that allows you to um, to bring in the skilled players and have them operate, and and I think um, Stephen realized that, and he was in a good position because, due to uh, close relationships with the with, with the owner and general manager, um, he couldn't get fired.
0: That's right. He wasn't gonna fire because Jerry had to go talk to Mama, you know. So right, you know, right. Uh, so yeah, we 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 have to keep an eye on that. Well, hey, man, I'm glad to to have you here. Um, this is uh, one Mike. Uh, where uh, On this platform, we, we dig deep on issues. Uh, we're brought, all callers and hosts are brought to you by Carbon World Health, the total fitness and lifestyle solution. Uh, please go to carbonworldhealth.com and uh, let Dr. Rodriguez and the staff over there know that uh, the RSG folks sent you there. Um, this podcast is a little bit different. We're digging deep on this single topic, and our topic tonight is uh, the ball of life, uh, talking about uh, – the Ball family and, you know, the, the ripple that LeVar Ball has, you know, done across the, the sports uh, world landscape, um, creating a lot of debate and conversation around what's happening with them and the impact on their son Lonzo and uh, the other sons in terms of uh, what they're doing and this this idea of building the Baller brand. And so uh, we thought we'd bring in, uh, you know, Dr. Richard McGregor Jr., who is an economist, um, and as well as an a, a, a educator has worked in both higher education um, and in K-12 systems and um, has owned not-for-profit, um, has done a number of community work and um, labor economists and so to bring, as well as a sports enthusiast, so can bring a different perspective to it. And that's one thing about One Mike is that we like to bring experts, you know, like Dr. McGregory on to the show and other folks coming out of different ones to provide some insight that you might not hear on other platforms. And so um, we're going to dig deep in here um, uh, regarding, uh, you know, what's happening and kind of take back some of the layers, because I think for the most part, you know, a lot of these platforms has been very surface conversation about this. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Marcus and Phil. We've been through texting, we've been going back and forth. And, you know, Marcus definitely has a position on this. Uh, in a way, in, in some ways, Marcus has been discerned because uh, you know uh, the fact that uh, Levar may have cost has cost uh, his son at least about ten million dollars, you know, maybe twenty um, uh, in, in endorsement deals. Uh, but there's something else under underground going on here that I think needs to be um, needs to be kind of played out. And so, you know, one of the things I'm going to do is kind of just, you know, ask Dr. McGregory, you know, some You know, some some things I've just been kind of thinking about, and I think you you definitely have, I would say, a perspective on some of these issues, to kind of unpack this a little bit deeper than I think most people have um, been been thinking about this. And so, you know, maybe I'll start with this question. Um, One of the things that's kind of bothered me about the conversation, um, and I posted this on Facebook in response to uh, a post that I saw and it was a great exchange um, around this, is that there, there seems to be a disconnect between the concept of ownership that LeVar Ball is talking about uh, in terms of the purpose of why he made the decision and in this, this idea around the current compensation model um, that's being offered to, by shoe companies to athletes, where there's this perception of loss but Lavar is really taking – he's coming at this in a, a different way because he's talking about ownership, and other people are talking about loss. Can you unpack, like, some of the issues that are there and what people may be missing, you know, aside from the delivery of LeVar Ball in terms of how he delivers his message? But what, what's fundamentally being missed by this concept that he's talking about ownership versus, versus the current um, way in which uh, shoe deals are done for athletes?
1: and i was really looking at the um concept of um what what type of capital do you want to uh, participate in in the market um where his, historically athletes have been seen as providing human capital and that capital is used by the companies in order to um to either produce a product or sell a product or promote a product and then once they're they're not able to deliver that human capital anymore because they're not as famous, or they're not playing anymore. Then things kind of go away. Looks like um, Levar Ball, despite what we might think about his execution of his plan, he he wants to move into the sphere where he is the owner of capital. And so when he when he talks about the co-branding, means that 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 he's he's talking about co-ownership, and he's talking about really. Getting his family in the in the um space i I think it's a very interesting topic because many things that um people have not at least to my hearing talked about relate to the fact that Lavar went to college and any anytime you have a college experience and you um are exposed to different models and theories and what have you then you start to think about how can you participate at a different level in the society as a citizen, as a business person, as a worker. And, and his thinking might also be about where are his three sons going to end up in that space? Are they going to forever have a mentality where they're solely a worker uh, or are they going to move to the point where they're, they're, they're being entrepreneurial? And, in order for them to be entrepreneurial, um, do they have to wait to kind of do like an apprenticeship with, with, under a company, or can they launch an entrepreneurial um, venture right away? One thing that I also was thinking about when you think about the timing is we don't really know how um, Lonzo is going to pan out as a player, and so. What what happens if he's not as good a player as many people think he, that he's going to be? This might be their one shot to to launch this and to get those experiences and take the risk and really operate on a different um, level of um, exploiting capital. Or say he's really good. Then um, you, you directly start making the money, and you don't have to then navigate through um, a longer-term contract with a shoe company in order to um, go to another entrepreneur plane, so 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 from both sides of it, I I, I can see some merits to uh, Levar's thinking. And again, I think it's just, it's an interesting case study uh, about um, how do you move in society to having to having a greater level of participation, and what could it do to teach your sons about risk taking, about about the concept of ownership. And, and and about owning your own brand, not just being a brand that's exploited by others, but but, but owning your own brand, and also think that it sends a a message to the um, to communities of color and and communities where they have um, um folks who are often marginalized. About uh, are, are there some different models that you could utilize with um and and really then try to impact your community in terms of this level of um economic development, and development of um, overall capital.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that, that point you made because, you know, one of the things, the points that I, a counterpoint that I made uh, uh, when I was um, kind of going back and forth on, on, on Facebook was um, some of the, the importance of this from uh, uh, specifically communities of color and particularly black communities, where you have an um, economic system where the dollar uh, hardly circulates through the community. And a, a part of that is around there's a lack of ownership in communities. And so there's this culture of being in the workforce but not having ownership. And what comes along with that, it was, uh, there was a great uh, uh, YouTube video I watched with Dame Dash on the Breakfast Club um, and he was trying to explain that concept to folks, you know, and you had cats in there who were doing pretty well, but the thing he said is that you got to be here at 630 in the morning. If you're not here at 630 in the morning, no matter how much money you make, they can fire you, whereas I can get up when I want to get up. And I might not be producing money at the level, you, but I have a level of freedom. And, and And what that means in terms of economic development and growth, in a community, one of the things that I raised uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a class a couple of years ago—I um, think Bronson was in this class, Kenny was in this class—when uh, you know I said, if you if you Google the number of players out of Detroit proper that went to the NBA, just deal with the NBA, and you look at that list, and you look at how much money those individuals made. Why is there only one Jalen Rose Academy in Detroit? You know what benefit did the city get? And so when you think about the mindset you know so many people think about the money but I think one thing you're describing is there's a there's a mindset to, to understanding your position and and and, and 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 controlling the capital earning and, and, and leading and being a participant as an owner versus being in partnership and being you know uh, really an employee with no real decision on price but like the, the funniest thing when people said to him you know why do you Why did you put the price at that point? He said, well, as an owner, I can decide what the price point is. And that's what I thought the price point was going to be. Now, you could debate whether or not that's a good strategy or not. But what they missed is is what he was talking about, the freedom to decide that. And he said, I bet you Michael Jordan didn't get the chance to sit in the room and decide on the price point. Like, there is a concept there that people miss. And so can you unpack that? Because, I mean, that right there to me, that was such a powerful line that people missed that is kind of – away from some of the other things that people miss. Like like can you break that down why that's important? That was that was an important kind of part of the conversation that I think people missed when he said that.
1: Yeah. Um I I I I agree totally with um his little LeVar saying that he wanted to um be able to have a say, to have a voice. I mean part of the reason why you even had things like union movements in the country was to give workers a voice. One of the best ways to have a voice is, rather than you demanding your voice through protests and what have you, is that you have a seat at the ownership table. Then that way you can decide on how the product is going to look. What is it going to be priced at? How is the packaging? And and it also gives you an opportunity to, um, to experiment. And as you're experimenting and learning more from your trial and error and things like that, then that will strengthen you on even your next entrepreneur venture. Um, I think you see some of the frustration in urban areas and minority communities um, is that you have a lot of talent that is suppressed because because of whatever constraints or choices or, 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 or whatever reasons that you might give, um, they never, folks never get a chance to participate um, in those types of decisions. Th- their decision making might be which company to interview for. Um there might be some chance to, to um be in a higher higher level discussions uh, when you're doing things like negotiating your salary, but after you've negotiated your salary and your terms of work, then 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 you still have a certain amount of constraint. Um I remember um reading an article um several years ago about Junior Bridgman um when he when he was first thinking about transitioning from the NBA and, and to into the business world and um he was um part of the um labor rep rep team for the NBA players and and how cavalier he felt the owners were about what was going on and then as he got a little bit closer to seeing the owners he realized the way they could be cavalier was that ultimately they owned the they own the teams and so the players who sure. didn't have ownership they were gonna come and go. The owners were gonna be more permanent. And so and and that and that led and that led Bridgman into trying to leverage his, his his money into the next sphere so then that way he could participate at that level and, and um he says that he made much more money um as an entrepreneur from his experiences dealing with the owners as a labor rep than he ever made as a player. And, and 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 so and that and that has ramifications for for um minority communities because um when um you have a mentality where where you, where you're a worker you can you can help some people get employed because you might move to a supervisory role but you, but as as a, as an owner you have the potential if things go right to have a much bigger say on on employment you have a much bigger say about um social policy about tax policy um you have a different type of relationships with 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 the politicians to where you can talk about the need for um um resources to be distributed in different manners you you can you can you can directly shape policy because um because because you're controlling employment you're controlling um um in terms of tax revenue and so and so it's, it's 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 a totally it's a totally different sphere of participation. Um, I even see that uh, Michael Jordan was kind of um, someone who 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 um, as he really became an entrepreneur after being a player, it helped him finally even find his voice politically. Whereas, and more recently, he had some things to say about um, the situations about the uh, police with unarmed um, um, uh, African-American motorists and what have you, whereas when he was asked to weigh in um, about possibly helping elect um, you know, an African-American for um, a congressional seat um, when he was in playing days, he didn't want to touch it because he said that Republicans um, bought tennis shoes too. And so he couldn't That's even right. find his voice when he was under those constraints. Whereas, whereas as an entrepreneur, he's been more able to find his own voice.
0: You listen to RST One Mike, uh, the show where we, we go deep into sports topics, and our topic tonight on One Mic is baller life. We're talking about LeVar Ball and the Ball family. And, you know, the the national conversation has kind of uh, emerged around this issue. I'm here with uh, Dr. Richard McGregor Jr., who's an economist, uh, educator, But more importantly, he is a sports fan. You know, one of the things that we love about our Real Sports Guys contributor in our network, and all of us are in all these different walks of life, but are are, are in on our sports and can talk about this. And um, if you haven't had a chance to, if you're just kind of jumping in, definitely catch this podcast on iTunes. Uh, Just look for Real Sports Guys. Uh, You can also go to realsportsguys.com. You can go to blog, talk radio, and search for Real Sports Guys. And then you can get us on all our platforms on Real Sports Guys uh, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on uh, Instagram, uh, and then you can get me RSGDwilse, uh on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook as well if you want to continue this conversation beyond this. Uh, but, yes, we're talking about LaVar Ball, what I call the baller life, um, the way in which, um, you know, these things shift. You know, you know, it almost feels like the moment, you and I know this from a hip-hop standpoint, you know, you remember the reaction to Hammer when Hammer was doing all that commercialized stuff, you know, when he was in the, what, the Pepsi commercial, when he had the uh, cartoon, and the way in which he got ostracized uh, in a way, and then that just became the norm. You know, even your, your most street set connected guys coming through were beginning to look at some of those deals, or you see a Missy Elliott or whatever you might see or anybody. Um, it just became the norm in hip-hop. And in some ways, I feel like, um, you know, that first iteration like it did for Hammer, right, um, uh, mm-hmm. created all that reaction. Somebody's got to go through that for people to see the possibilities. What was interesting, uh, even about the conversation today, you and I talked about this off air. It was interesting for me to listen to uh, Mike and Mike this morning because, you know, Mike Golick and and, uh, and Mike Greenberg um, have uh, – have had different perspectives and part of what i told you is that part of their perspective has a lot to do with their origin you know and and, and it was hard i think granny was trying to come up with a point but part of it is granny came from a household where his family owned a store <laughs> they were in a community of in a culture of ownership right and and in, in, in you can really talk about how their origin shaped their voice in terms of this issue whereas greenberg had this different perspective and you and i talked about this uh, about that. Can you talk a little bit about how you saw some of that? Because I thought it was interesting because I think it gives an example of how people's backgrounds inform how they see this issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I just saw um, Mike Greenberg, uh, uh, coming from a family where there was an entrepreneurial venture, um, thought about things in terms of um, being an entrepreneur having a certain level of freedom um, to, to determine um, some some possibilities in the economic realm where Mike Golick, um, even though he, he's been successful and what have you, has primarily, um, approached things from the lens of a worker. And, and so, and so that, and so the worker lens doesn't always conceptualize, um, the freedoms, um, as well as the risks and what have you associated with, 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 with owning your own venture, um, I think I think one of the reasons even when um, I was um, deciding to um, study economics was I, I remember um, talking to my grandfather who always had um, a small entrepreneur venture um, on the side from his job um, in Gary, Indiana, growing up. And I always noticed that when he had his own entrepreneur venture, um, you know, he always could... Um, Give you a product out of you know when he had the corner store he you could always get a soda and things like that and so it's a different conversation than just a conversation where I'm going to a job and so and I so and I think that experience particularly has impacted Greenberg and where he he can see what they're trying to do because there's a level of freedom and there's a level of um, um being very American about what LeVar is trying to do. We talk about this is a country that 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 will allow you to kind of create your own destiny, and so when we see someone really saying, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and test it," because this is a country that says that 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 anyone can go and do this if they have you know the the ability to work hard, the ability to come up with a concept, and what he's doing is very American. Um, I always think about when working with students in trio programs. How the level of conversation always had to be. Not only could you get the marketable skills to work for someone, but for a, a segment who really um, wanted to do something different. Well, how could you le- How could you leverage your skills to doing something for yourself? And um and and I, and I remember having conversations with students over the years where some of them had the mentality I would rather have twenty um, percent of what I could get working for someone else. If I if I can work for myself and call my own shots, and and I and I think Greenberg understands that from the family background, and I think Golick um, in his experiences doesn't understand it in the same in, sa- in the same kind of light.
0: I, you know, I I think you hit it right on the head, and and you know when we're ha- we're having this conversation about you know athletes' rights, we're asking about empowerment. You know, um, one of the things that uh, you know. I, it's very important part about this conversation. You and I have had this even when we're talking about social justice issues, that part of social justice is economic justice. And so part of this is that conversation we're having around this. And when we have um, athletes who are accruing um, uh, wealth in this way and how they leverage it, you know, LeBron, I think, has been the best at it. He found a really good balance between um, leveraging some of the normal, approaches to doing this, and then using that as seed money to do it. And I, I would say Golick raised that as an issue as well. Golick was like, you know, take the first deal and use it. So I would give him credit around that. But, uh, you know, so – but the idea of, of of the ownership mentality, I think Shaq has always had that. Shaq has always had yeah. that. You know, even when he worked with the NBA and everything. I mean, Shaq has always seen uh, – it felt like he, he – he, he, he didn't have an agent; he was responding to all these people were working for Shaq. Shaq was nice. the CEO from the beginning, and he drove all of his ventures that way. And in a way that you know, sometimes people got so caught up in the antics, but they weren't seeing the game plan laid out. I mean, think about it. He's retired, and look at the number of commercials he's already doing. Look at how many other ventures he's he's doing. He, he's been every time turn around, he's going to China. You know, he has always been that kind of that kind of ownership mindset, and always been empowered in ways that allow you to know you can walk away from the game uh in a way and so it's been it's it's been interesting to to kind of talk about that you know people are so focused on the on the money they're not focused on the mindset that we're talking about which is different that that in some ways that's the stuff that also um contributes to your health and wellness to know that you can do that it's not just having a million million dollars you know like biggie said more money more problems (laughs) so it's
1: not just about that, but do you have ownership? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think um, it's um, it it, it it it's a natural evolution because you think about musically, where um, when you had when you had artists like Prince, who their big struggle was to um, have ownership. I think even in the movie Ray, um, one of the big points of the career of Ray Charles was when he was able to um, uh, negotiate the contract and he was able to get um, control over a certain percentage of his own masters. You know, I think of even the – I think it was um, about a 10-album apprenticeship that LL Cool J had to do um, before he was able to – Get, um, get royalties from his masters, right? And, and, you know, and the contract that he signed with Def Jam is a high school dropout at 16 years old. That's and right. So, and so, and so, but I see also then um, there being um, a level of resistance about Levar Ball saying, "Well, maybe maybe my son doesn't have to do that." Yes. And 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 and, and so well, some people say, "Well, he's destroying his son's career." We don't really know those household dynamics because That's they right. might be willing to, to bet on themselves. And when we look at how many players who made big money who wind up destitute, maybe doing an entrepreneur venture, uh, will even help Lonzo understand the um, the cost of a dollar. And and right. and hopefully it it might it might shape how he manages the money that he makes that's outside of um, the shoe branding. So and, one and, of the things
0: so, I, uh, uh, I want to ask, that, that point right there, so because I want you to dig into So, so you know, people might be saying, you know, you, you listen to one mic. Uh, this is uh, Devon Wilson. I'm here with Dr. Uh, uh, Richard Mcgregor Jr., who is an economist, educator, uh, and I was I always say, sports enthusiast because he can talk about sports as well as anybody. Um, but tonight we're talking about uh, the, a baller's life. We're talking about the ball family and you know the model that they're trying to develop uh, that has kind of created this national conversation. Uh, but and we're we're brought to you by carbonwell Health. Go to carbonwellhealth.com, uh Let Dr. Rodriguez and the staff there know that the real sports guys sent you. Uh, they are there for the total uh, health and beauty. Uh, solution. So uh, check them out over there, and uh, let them know that they sent it. They've been, they've been pushing me and on me. And if you've been following me on, on 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 social media, you know I'm I'm changing a little bit. Body's trying to go down. It's been a better journey. So uh, it's been great to have them on there. And uh, I know he's probably listening because um, uh, I just sit sit uh, sit them a tweet and said uh, you know Dr. McGregor was killing it. He was like oh he was loving it. So we have to get him on at some point. Um, but so part of what I want to get into. Because I, I do think there's a there's an evolution to entrepreneurship, and you know even when I started to launch Real Sports Guys, when when you launch something, you you like you really um, uh, there's a sense of like control. It's like almost like a, a relationship. And uh, one of the things that you know you and our good friend XL Lewis, who's really good about it, like he's got a great business mind and he really works through this. You know one of the things he often talks about is that you can't get so romantically tied to it. And it can't be about I we talk about this a lot. And that really success is a team sport in that, you know, even though you have a visionary who's driving it, you know, I think the best people over time put the pieces around them. When you look at the where Blavard Ball is, you know, you know, there's a discussion of whether or not he's, you know, he's Chris Jenner <laughs> trying to do the Kardashian thing, or is he trying to run this Billion dollar business, and I think you and I were talking about offline that that in some ways, would, you know, so two things: how do you get somebody like that, particularly in some of the communities we're talking about, to understand the approach to building that kind of brand? Because I think that's what LeBron taught people. Like LeBron spent time; he got a PhD in business. He spent some time with people like Warren Buffett, you know, Jay Z, and others, where you know they and his crew really understood how the game was set up. They it felt like it feels like they studied it. And they got a PhD, in it, right? And um, mm, yep. th- that part of the game appears to be missing with LeVar Ball. And we we often see in communities that we're talking about where that's the part that keeps a micro business a micro business, right? It doesn't allow it to become, you know, a medium size and grow to a multinational company. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, and I would say that um. What, 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 that, that's often one of the challenges. Um, when 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 I've um, studied some of the businesses in African American or urban communities, um, often you have a, a disconnect sometimes between those with an entrepreneurial mindset and those who possess uh, some of the typical skills needed to run the day to day operations of a business. And one of the challenges is how do you get those two different um, abilities to merge, so then that way they can work together in a complementary fashion so so you don't only have a great idea but you also have someone who's who's at the store opening the, when when it's supposed to be opened um, people with the right amount of um, um, working capital um, um, the um the the proper ratios in terms of um, your your employee, employee, employee costs. Um, compared to your um, profits, and so you gotta have you gotta have all of that, and you, you typically don't have all of that in one person. And and, and part and part of the um, challenge is to 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 be able to have that entrepreneur be able to work in a framework by which um, they're able to connect with other people of expertise, so then that way everyone everyone can specialize in what they do best, and really have. Um, not only great ideas, but also a level of efficiency and effectiveness so that way you can turn um, a, a good concept into uh, sustainable profits. And so, and so I think that's a challenge. I think um, one, one thing that we don't know but it has the potential there is that LeVar more than likely met some good people uh, who had some of these skills and abilities if he was really paying attention during his own collegiate experience. And um and, and 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 that's one of the one of the benefits from from going to um, an educational institution is that you can rub up against people and meet people who have these skills and abilities. And so um time will tell about if if this is truly the case in in the in the situation of of LeVar Ball and Big Ball of brand. But um but I think that some of the places that he's been um, he should have had enough proximity to people who have those skills and abilities that there's a good chance that he's been able to connect.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right on it. Bob Wynn, who uh, uh, who runs Pro Squares, who we partner with on events, um, and, you know, Bob has been big pushing on this, on the financial literacy, building capital. But one of the things that Bob often talks about, particularly, um, it, it specifically, in the black community, is uh, when he's talking about even building investment groups, is the, you know this idea of trust, and and part of what I, I this is why I want you to talk about because part of the the part that I hear about for, for the one thing that worries me when I hear Levar speak is over protection this kind of trust piece that that he wants to control things in a way that doesn't give me insight to whether or not he has that kind of team, right? It almost feels Trumpian in a sense that, you know, in some always Trump was successful in this person, but, you know, he did it a different way. And he had a certain level of, of, of uh, social capital that allowed him to navigate through spaces that LeVar Ball is going, not going to be able to do. And so, but there's this idea of, of not being able to trust and, and partner in ways that will move you from a micro business, small business, medium-sized to a multinational company, company in a way that you see how LeBron and them are building their team, in their networks, and something like that, right? And so, you know, it, whether or not he has the, uh, which means sometimes you got to sit back and, set, and take the screen, right? Sometimes that's not right. you coming down and taking a shot. Sometimes that means you just kind of over and letting somebody else move the piece for you, right? Um, and uh, I think LeBron is a master at that. I think his whole crew is a master at that. Of running those, those uh running that stuff the way they uh, the way they do it and so and that to me is something that has much more of a, of a, of a cultural piece there that you and I've seen when we try to work in communities you know even some of the stuff I've done in you know economic development spaces where it, it was just hard for people to see that collaborative space and worry about what they're going to be losing right and does that make sense? Right. Maybe and, and maybe if it doesn't can you unpack that a little bit? Because how does, how does how yeah. do you help someone in that space get past
1: that? Yeah. Well I I think I think off, off, often when you have folks who come from marginalized communities, um, the um margin of error, at least the perceived margin of error is smaller. So, you know, um the feeling that if if this doesn't work then I don't know if I'm going to get a second shot, then that, that kind of makes people more, more risk-averse. And then, you know, one of the consequences of being a little risk-averse is the feeling that, hey, I better have total control over this because I can make it work. And sometimes um, folks' skills and abilities can get a concept to a certain point, but then you need a different entity to come in to help you take it to the next level. I, I was even uh, I was even thinking about um, Joe Jackson. You know, he, he yeah. could take uh, he could take his sons to a certain point, right? But then, after yes. as, and when he hit when he hit that one point, then he needed a Barry Gordy, right? That's right. And and then That's even right. after they, they were able to um, um, go beyond Motown to Epic, for Michael to really become the, the, the just super mega star. They had to move even beyond Joe Jackson's management, you know. And, 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 and that's
0: like, yeah, you're hitting it, you're hitting it right on the head, right there.
1: Keep it going. And, and 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 so and so, I would I would I would probably argue that um that, that there will come a point in time where if if this is really going to be a big success, there'll be a different role for Levar. Um, his 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 skills and abilities might have been just to create enough attention around what's going on in order to um, get them into the consciousness. And then you might need someone else to take you to the to the next step. I I think even of um of Jay Z with Rock Nation, um, where it's it's a whole team of folks who are doing that and, and eventually they were able to um branch out and they're representing athletes and entertainers in a variety of different ways that go beyond the initial expertise of Jay Z. And he was able to get some right. good people around him.
0: And that's right. I mean, even when you think about uh, their partner Biggs, who when you hear that guy talk, I mean, he is he he is he's the one who really pushed the idea of Rock Nation. So they had a really good team around it. Our concept of even if it's a small group, you know, who's his brain trust? And maybe he has the brain trust, and he's like protecting that brain trust. He just like I want to be out front, and people don't know need to know who the brain trust is. And so that's something like you said, we'll learn more one of the things i wanted like one of the key things that people brought up and, and you and i kind of talked about this off the air because again it's a it's a perspective that we wouldn't have in other ways we look at this so you have everybody saying well you know he they only made 150,000 dollars or whatever in the first day and again you know if you're thinking about it from a business perspective Anybody who was great started from something. They didn't move all those units on the first day. Rarely do people come out and move. You know, it was like it was a process you built. And so, how do you get around that part of it? Because everybody's like, well, you better. Because I think they're still concentrating on the two million dollars they think he lost. <laughs> so I mean, how do you get around that kind of? I mean, I kind of looked at it like, well, that's that's what happens in business. You know, you, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you get around that that part of it?
1: Um, I, I, I think, I think the, 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 way, the way they get around it is that essentially they're betting on, in this initial phase, they're betting on Lonzo. And so one way you get around it is if, if he plays great, then he, he makes the money up anyway. If he doesn't play great and you learn a whole bunch from this venture, that the, the, the expertise you get, can be applied in the next venture cuz the next venture that they have in mind might not even be shoes and, and 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 so that that type of expertise is 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 invaluable you know cuz I always think about when I think about entrepreneurship I always think um how people start um very simply and then they're able to expand you know I think you know I think about the, um how um, in the old days where you had rappers who were selling uh, mixtapes out of the trunk of their cars, and, and some of them yeah. were able to leverage that into um, into having their own distribution deals, right? Now I will imagine that the first time they were selling stuff out of the trunk of their cars, um, some people didn't do that well. You know, no one might have bought it and, and what have you. And you know, they had some days where they were where they were hungry, but did they learned a lot from those days when they were hungry, and then they were able to use that expertise? And sometimes that expertise is valuable. I mean, in fact, people pay a lot of college tuition to business schools to get that type of expertise. And so, yeah. It, and so this this, yeah. this 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 is a, this is almost like a high level apprenticeship, but one where they're kind of setting their own terms.
0: Now, one of the things, I, if I were to put at it, he did he does have a um, roadmap. You know, if we think about what Stefan did with the the starberries. You know, now, you know, the thing that Stefan was trying to do it for a great cause, but, you know, you know, you can talk about this more as an economist, but at certain price points, there's a perception of value, even though his shoes right. were quality. Um, so I right. thought he could take maybe a, 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 a Starberry model with a mid-range price point. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a roadmap to how you set the deal up, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have relationships with certain stores. And... You know, maybe he, you know, he's not at the four hundred dollar price point. He's in, uh, you know, one seventy five, you know, two hundred dollars right. price point, and, and your, and your, in your, and your sandals are, you know, at a hundred whatever. You're right, but, but yeah. it's, it's at yeah. a, it's at a reasonable price point. I mean, I want, you know, I wonder why he didn't take that model which is already there, and it just, you know, it's kind of supersizing. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, and 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 I and I, and I um. And I was and I was wondering about that too because um, that's that's an easier point of entry. The, the one thing that I, I I would say that there might have been such that there's enough competition in that segment already, where where they felt then they couldn't directly go against that competition, and so they had to do something that was novel, almost almost creating it as a, as a luxury brand. In order to get into a space where they felt that that um it wasn't so much market competition by the existing shoe companies. And, well, what, what and, is, and,
0: yeah. So so okay. So you 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 are saying that they you just they want to be in a space where they they were going to create their own rare competition in that space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because cause, you almost okay. create creating a brand. You almost creating that brand out of um. Out of out 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 of thin air. You know, you 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 think about even um, the, um, the Kardashians, right? They didn't they didn't really kind of start. They didn't really start off by trying to sell products that were in the mid price range. Yes. It, everything gave the illusion that it was super high quality that only certain people could could access, and that, and that was kind of their entry point. And 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 you've even we've even seen that sometimes with companies who they they'll market a luxury item, and then after they've hit a certain amount of success, they'll release a second brand under a different name that will go at the mid price model. See, this
0: is what you get, y'all, on one mic. This is this is you don't get this anywhere else on uh, sports talk show radio. This is RSG one mic. Uh, podcast uh, this is a baller's life we're talking about LeBar Ball and the Ball family and and how they are pushing to change the game and to change the shift in power and so there's a couple things I want to hit you know as we we close and you know we're here with Dr. Richard McGregory who's an economist an educator uh, you know has a non-for-profit has worked with um, communities has worked with uh, K 12 setting and higher ed and has a unique perspective and offers some really good gems. You know, if you're have, if you just entering this conversation, you want to hear it in its entirety, uh, check us out on iTunes, subscribe, you know, give us some feedback. Uh, you can also get to us through realsportsguys.com um, uh, uh, and check it out as well. Uh, a couple a couple of quick things. One of the things I did have a concern about, and you and I grew up in this spirit, in this era, particularly when Jordan shoes came out, and how those luxury items ended up in – violence in certain communities. Because one thing different about the Kardashians is there's a certain level of clientele that's buying those items right. that, are, that are are probably in the same social strata as they are, whereas historically shoes like this have, there are, there are people across these the strata that have wanted to access these items, which has then caused some violence in spaces from kids getting beat up, shot for shoes. Do we worry about the impact of some of these urban environments when you have something that is when somebody's wearing shoes like that down the street? That makes them a target.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 I know. I, I I I would agree that there's always a there's always a level of concern. to um, One thing that I. Have seen in terms of tennis shoes is that more people now are buying shoes as collector items than actually buying them to wear. Yes, and and, and the price point where they're at might be in that kind of realm. Um, mm. and and and, it, and 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 so. And so that's where I'm wondering because I think that you, you you might not get as many pairs of shoes that are out there, and so they they, they might be so rare that it won't be cause for concern because people won't even really see those that product on on people within within those neighborhoods. Um, those that type of product might stay in the box. And 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 then people kind of using it kind of to speculate um, about, you know, how how well Lonzo's going to do, and if he does well, then then that four hundred ninety five dollars shoe um, then becomes um, a two thousand dollar value. Or if um, he doesn't do well, it has no value at all. Mm. And so and so there's a lot so there's there's a lot of different ways. That 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 it can come, but but I, but I think we should always be concerned um, about any items in um in 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 the in these in these communities. I think I think part of part of the issue is that we 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 have rarely in these communities had a talk about the type of ostentatious items that we purchase, and to have a rational conversation about is it worth it. You know, I think about even um, heck. I have a, a nephew who's 14, and um, a family shopping trip, and I saw him um, um, really aggressively looking for these um, expensive jeans that already had holes in them. And 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 I and I and I, and I and I just thought in my mind about what 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 does this what does this really say? About about how about our mentality as a society, you know, where you know we, we're gonna we're gonna jack up the price of something that really poor kids typically had to wear, and then we're going to we're going to make that a a a a designer item that everyone has to have, you know, and and what kind of weird um, to be strange. Uh, psychological dynamics are, are informing the marketing, and, and 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 so and so I worry about um, that type of ostentatious of consumption in general. But but I think um, in, in many of our communities now, um, there there are so many different things that that are causing violence that I think it it, it would be hard to pinpoint it solely to um, to a particular shoe. And I think there are so many different types of um, shoes out there now. That it's a little it's 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 a little bit more diffuse. So at one time, folks had to have the Air Jordans because that was the only shoe that they were looking at. Well, now there might be two, three, four different brands and some brands that that, that might be close enough that that are that are that are um, pricing the midpoint and what have you, to where I think is is not the same concern. Even though we we should always continue paying attention to. Um, what's going on in terms of the consumer purchases and what does that really say to um, our mentality as individuals and as communities.
0: You listen to RSG One Mike. Uh, uh, this is our show where we go deep into a sports topic, and usually it's a topic that is hot on most people's minds. And we, we take it in a different direction. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to this, please, 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 you got to listen to This is a great one. Uh, we're, we're here with Dr. Richard McGregory, Jr., who is an economist, educator, um, uh, head of a non-profit. Um, you know, has a unique perspective on on these things, and I say avid sports lover that um, is, is very important. You know, as we think to the future, you know, what I like to do, and I always tell my students like you have to think with the end in mind that 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 you are thinking about being successful. So let's say successful. How does that change the practices of the big shoe companies, if you start to see a trend developing here? How do they, how do they set the game up differently? How do, they, how do they not like this, let this take on a life of its own? Or is there enough room for both approaches to, to operate? Um,
1: I think um, if it's successful, initially there will be a room for uh, two different models to uh, coexist for a while simultaneously. But I think it, it has the potential of changing the whole industry, I think about even uh, when you look at the media um and how now that you can you can kind of set up your own media outlets um particularly on the internet for um um a much lower cost in terms of um you know uh, the cost of entry um you can set up things with with less equipment to get to get going how that's had a profound impact particularly on on newspaper and how um, now you 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 see um uh, more and more newspapers going out of business and how the 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 new business models are, have drastically um impacted um the media um, I was even seeing something the other day about how the predictions for um for media companies will be that you will find them on the internet you will not find them in in print or you won't find them with with all of the um with all of the overhead and capital expenses to start radio your own radio stations, because you can do so many different things in in um, in cyberspace. And so I think that if this model is successful, it has the same that same potential of eating away at at, at the um, traditional shoe companies. And so I think that's something that um, they're going to have to pay attention to, you know, because because um, even though we we think well that couldn't happen because Nike's multi billion dollar um, company, but it, it, it's happened more and more in different spheres, and once we didn't think that record companies would 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 be impacted um, by different models of distributing music, and then you know we we got to the situation where hey you can release an album directly online. Now we don't even talk about uh, somebody being a multi platinum seller. Uh, you know, of, of of music, we talk about the the amount of downloads, right? Yes. We
0: don't even
1: we don't we don't even think anymore in terms of complete of complete albums, right? Mm. Or complete tapes mm. or complete CDs. We th- we think of a song, you know. Well, and, and um, and, and I'm so, um, going
0: crazy, man. You you, <laughs> you are doing your thing. i was going to tell you, uh, I I. I i got to bring you back. i got to bring you back. I'm not even going to let you do any more because we're giving him too much tonight. You, you've you done too much for me tonight. You know, when I put this out here, you've done your thing. This is Dr. Richard McGregory. I'm, I'm just going to tell you all, I'm not going to let him go. He, he's at the tip of the iceberg of this, and he you know he's going to be a regular contributor on One Mic. Um, and I want to thank you for being here with me tonight because I, I don't want you to go too much deeper because I want to bring you
1: back. Will you come back? Hopefully. Oh yes definitely definitely and, and definitely enjoy the experience and 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 always like talking and thinking through these things because I think um the more that we can um have the um intellectual discourse, I think then you'll see more more models develop and that will that will help transform communities so I think that um when you look at the average young young person, they got access to so many different things where they're they're really walking walking around with just arms lifts from. having having their own businesses right with them.
0: Well, we're going to go deeper in this. Thank you for being on uh, RSG1, Mike, with us. Um, You know, we're definitely going to have you here for other topics. And uh, uh, for our listeners, hey, catch us again. Um, You catch the big show, we'll be coming back with uh, Marcus and Phil. You know, that's like where uh, faculty seminar meets, uh, the barbershop. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, Check out – uh, Hustle & Flow, that's the intersection between uh, hip-hop and, uh, and sports. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be bringing more to you on, this, on these platforms of Real Sports Guys. I'm looking forward to being at the Wisconsin uh, Sports Awards show here. Uh, you'll check us out on social media. I'll be giving some, some shout-outs there. I hope we get a chance to see, as Stephen A. Smith said, the bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully I'll get a chance to see him as well. Um, and uh, thank you again until next time. This is RSG.